Section 6 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. We waited till four o'clock, and hearing nothing of General Figueroa, made up our minds that we should not get off till evening. We therefore strolled up to the extreme end of the street, where Figueroa had entered, and where stood the ruins of an old church. We sat on the foundation walls and looked through the long and desolate street to the plaza, where were a few stacks of muskets and some soldiers. All around were mountains, and among them rose the beautiful and verdant volcano of Chingo. While sitting there, two women ran past, and telling us that the soldiers were returning in that direction, hid themselves among the ruins. We turned down a road and were intercepted on a little eminence, where we were obliged to stop and look down upon them as they passed. We saw that they were irritated by an unsuccessful day's work, and that they had found agua ardiente, for many of them were drunk. A drummer on horseback, and so tipsy that he could hardly sit, stopped the line to glorify General Carrera. Very soon they commenced the old touchstone, Viva Carrera, and one fellow, with the strap of his knapsack across his naked shoulders, again stopped the whole line, and, turning round with a ferocious expression, said, You are counting us, are you? We disappeared, and by another street got back to the house. We waited a moment, and determined to get out of the town and sleep at the first hacienda on the road, left the house to go again to General Figueroa for his dispatches. But before reaching it, we saw new confusion in the plaza, a general remounting and rushing to arms. As soon as General Figueroa saw us, he spurred his horse down the street to meet us, and told us, in great haste, that General Morazan was approaching and almost upon the town. He had that moment received the news, and was going out to attack him. He had no time to sign the dispatches, and while he was speaking, the lancers galloped past. He shook hands, bade us good-bye, hasta luego, until presently, asked us to call upon Carrera in case we did not see him again, and, dashing down the line, put himself at the head of the lancers. The foot-soldiers followed in single file on a run, carrying their arms as was most convenient. In the hurry and excitement we forgot ourselves, till we heard some flattering epithets, and saw two fellows shaking their muskets at us with the expression of fiends. But hurried on by those behind, they cried out ferociously, Estos picaros otra vez, those rascals again. The last of the line had hardly disappeared, before we heard a volley of musketry, and in a moment fifty or sixty men left in the plaza snatched up their arms and ran down a street opening from the plaza. Very soon a horse without a rider came clattering down the street at full speed. Three others followed, and in five minutes we saw thirty or forty horsemen, with our friend Figueroa at their head, dash across the street, all running for their lives but in a few moments they rallied and returned. 
we walked toward the church to ascend the steeple when a sharp volley of musketry rolled up the street on that side and before we got back into the house there was firing along the whole length of the street we knew that a chance shot might kill a non-combatant and secured the doors and windows but finally as the firing was sharp and the balls went beyond us and struck the houses on the opposite side with an old servant woman what had become of the widow i do not know we retired into a small room on the courtyard with delightful walls and a door three inches thick and bullet-proof shutting which and in utter darkness we listened valiantly here we considered ourselves out of harm's way but we had serious apprehensions for the result the spirit on both sides was to kill giving quarter was not thought of morazan's party was probably small but they would not be taken without a desperate fight and from the sharpness of the firing and the time occupied there was probably a sanguinary affair our quondam friends roused by bloodshed wounds and loss of companions without anyone to control them would be very likely to connect those rascals with the arrival of morazan i will not say that we wished they might all be killed but we did wish that their bad blood might be let out and that was almost the same thing in fact i did most earnestly hope never to see their faces again i preferred being taken by any roving band in the country rather than by them and never felt more relieved than when we heard the sound of a bugle it was the morazan blast of victory and though sounding fiercely the well-known notes of degollar degollar cutthroat cutthroat it was music to our ears very soon we heard the tramp of cavalry and leaving our hiding-place returned to the sala and heard a cry of viva la federacion this was a cheering sound it was now dark we opened the door an inch or two but a lancer riding by struck it open with his lance and asked for water we gave him a large calabash which another took from his hands we threw open the door and kept two large calabashes on the sill and the soldiers as they passed took a hasty draught asking a question of each we learned that it was general morazan himself with the survivors of his expedition against guatemala our house was well known many of the officers inquired for the family and an aide-de-camp gave notice to the servant woman that morazan himself intended stopping there the soldiers marched into the plaza stacked their arms and shouted viva morazan in the morning the shout was viva carrera none cried viva la patria there was no end to our troubles in the morning we surrendered to one party and in the evening were captured out of their hands by another probably before daylight carrera would be upon us there was only one comfort the fellows who had broken our rest the night before and scared the inhabitants from their homes were now looking out for lodgings in the mountains themselves i felt sorry for figueroa and his aid and on abstract principles for the killed as for the rest i cared but little what became of them 
in a few moments a party of officers came down to our house for six days they had been in constant flight through an enemy's country changing their direction to avoid pursuit and only stopping to rest their horses entering upon the excitement of a successful skirmish they struck me as the finest set of men i had seen in the country figueroa had come upon them so suddenly that general morazan who rode at the head of his men had two bullets pass by his head before he could draw his pistol and he had a narrower escape than in the whole of his bloody battle in guatemala colonel cabanes a small quiet gentlemanly man the commander of the troops massacred in honduras struck the first blow broke his sword over a lancer and wresting the lance out of its owner's hands ran it through his body but was wounded himself in the hand a tall gay rattling young man who was wiping warm blood from off his sword and drying it on his pocket handkerchief mourned that he had failed in cutting off their retreat and a quiet middle-aged man wiping his forehead drawled out that if their horses had not been so tired they would have killed every man even they talked only of killing taking prisoners was never thought of the verb matar to kill with its inflections was so continually ringing in my ears that it made me nervous in a few minutes the widow padilla who i am inclined to believe was secreted somewhere in the neighborhood knowing of general morazan's approach rushed in crying wildly for her sons all answered that the eldest was with them all knew her and one after another put his right arm respectfully over her shoulder and embraced her but the young man who was wiping his sword drove it into its scabbard and catching her up in his arms lifted her off the floor and whirled her about the room the poor old lady half laughing and half crying told him he was as bad as ever and continued asking for her sons at this moment a man about forty whom i had noticed before as the only one without arms with a long beard pale and haggard entered from the courtyard the old lady screamed rushed toward him and fell on his neck and for some moments rested her head upon his shoulder this was the one who had been imprisoned by carrera general morazan had forced his way into the plaza broken open the prisons and liberated the inmates and when he was driven out this son made his escape but where was her younger and dearer son the young man answered that he had escaped and was safe the old lady looked at him with distrust and calling him by his christian name told him he was deceiving her but he persisted and swore that he had escaped he himself had given him a fresh horse he was seen outside the barrier was probably concealed somewhere and would soon make his appearance the other officers had no positive knowledge one had seen him at such a time and another at such a time during the battle and all agreed that the young man ought to know best for their posts were near each other and he young ardent and reckless the dearest friend of her son and loving her as a mother told me afterward that she should have one night's comfort and that she would know the truth soon enough but the brother narrowly escaped from death himself 
and who looked as if smiles had been forever driven from his face, told me he had no doubt his mother's darling was killed. During these scenes, the captain and I were not unnoticed. The captain found among the officers several whom he had become acquainted with at the port, and he learned that others had made their last campaign. In the first excitement of meeting them, he determined to turn back and follow their broken fortunes. But, luckily for me, those trunks had gone on. He felt that he had had a narrow escape. Among those who had accompanied General Morazan were the former Secretary of State and War, and all the principal officers, civil and military, of the shattered general government. They had heard of my arrival in the country. I had been expected at San Salvador, was known to them all by reputation, and very soon personally. Particularly, I became acquainted with Colonel Zarabia, a young man about twenty-eight, handsome, brave, and accomplished in mind and manners, with an enthusiastic attachment for General Morazan, from whom, in referring to one affair in the attack on Guatemala, with tears almost starting from his eyes, he said, Providence seemed to turn the bullets away. I had often heard of this gentleman in Guatemala, and his case shows the unhappy rending of private and social ties produced by these civil wars. His father was banished by the Liberal Party eight years before, and was then a general in the Carlist service in Spain. His mother and three sisters lived in Guatemala, and I had visited at their house perhaps oftener than at any other in that city. They lived near the plaza, and while Morazan had possession of it, the colonel had run home to see them, and in the midst of a distracted meeting, rendered more poignant by the circumstance of his being joined in an attack upon his native city, he was called away to go into action. His horse was shot under him, he was wounded, and escaped with the wreck of the army. His mother and sisters knew nothing of his fate. He said what I was sure was but too true, that they would have dreadful apprehensions about him, and begged me, immediately on my arrival at Guatemala, to visit them and inform them of his safety. In the meantime, General Morazan, apprehensive of a surprise from Carrera during the night, sent word that he should sleep in the plaza, and escorted by Colonel Zarabia, I went to pay my respects to him. From the time of his entry I felt perfectly secure, and never had a moment of apprehension from unruly soldiers. For the first time I saw something like discipline. A sentinel was pacing the street leading from the plaza, to prevent the soldiers straggling into the town. But the poor fellows seemed to have no disposition for straggling. The town was stripped of everything. Even the poor horses had no food. Some were gathered at the window of the cabildo, each in his turn holding up his hat for a portion of hard corn bread. Some were sitting around fires eating this miserable fare, but most were stretched on the ground already asleep. It was the first night they had lain down except in an enemy's country. General Morazan, with several officers, was standing in the corridor of the cabildo, a large fire was burning before the door, and a table stood against the wall with a candle and chocolate cups upon it. 
He was about 45 years old, 5 feet 10 inches high, thin, with a black mustache and weak beard, and wore a military frock coat buttoned up to the throat and sword. His hat was off, and the expression of his face mild and intelligent. Though still young, for ten years he had been the first man in the country, and eight president of the republic. He had risen and had sustained himself by military skill and personal bravery, always led his forces himself, had been in innumerable battles and often wounded, but never beaten. A year before, the people of Guatemala of both parties had implored him to come to their relief as the only man who could save them from Carrera and destruction. At that moment he added another to the countless instances of the fickleness of popular favor. After the expiration of his term, he had been elected chief of the state of San Salvador, which office he had resigned and then acted as commander-in-chief under the federal government. Denounced personally, and the federation under which he served disavowed, he had marched against Guatemala with fourteen hundred men and forced his way into the plaza. Forty of his oldest officers and his eldest son were shot down by his side, and cutting his way through masses of human flesh with about four hundred and fifty men then in the plaza, made his escape. I was presented to him by Colonel Zarabia. From the best information I could acquire, and from the enthusiasm with which I had heard him spoken of by his officers, and in fact by everyone else in his own state, I had conceived almost a feeling of admiration for General Morazan, and my interest in him was increased by his misfortunes. I was really at a loss how to address him, and while my mind was full of his ill-fated expedition, his first question was if his family had arrived in Costa Rica, or if I had heard anything of them. I did not tell him what I then thought, that his calamities would follow all who were connected with him, and probably that his wife and daughters would not be permitted an asylum in that state. But it spoke volumes that, at such a moment, with the wreck of his followers before him, and the memory of his murdered companions fresh in his mind, in the overthrow of all his hopes and fortunes, his heart turned to his domestic relations. He expressed his sorrow for the condition in which I saw his unhappy country, regretted that my visit was at such a most unfortunate moment, spoke of Mr. DeWitt and the relations of that country with ours, and his regret that our treaty had not been renewed, and that it could not be done now. But these things were not in my mind. Feeling that he must have more important business, I remained but a short time, and returned to the house. The moon had risen, and I was now extremely anxious to set out. But our plans were entirely deranged. The guide whom we had engaged to conduct us to the Rio Pass was missing, and no other could be found. In fact, not a man could be induced, either by promises or threats, to leave the town that night from fear of falling in with the routed troops. Several of the officers took chocolate with us, and at the head of the table sat a priest with a sword by his side. 
I had breakfasted men who would have been happy to cut their throats, and they were now hiding among the mountains or riding for life. If Carrera came, my new friends would be scattered. They all withdrew early to sleep under arms in the plaza, and we were left with the widow and her son. A distressing scene followed of inquiries and forebodings by the widow for her younger son, which the elder could only get rid of by pleading excessive fatigue and begging to be permitted to go to sleep. It was rather singular, but it had not occurred to us before to inquire about the dead and wounded in the skirmish. There were none of the latter. All who fell were lanced, and the dead were left on the ground. He was in the rear of the Morazan party. The fire was scattering, but on the line by which he entered the town, he counted eighteen bodies. Chapter 6 Visit from General Morazan End of his career Procuring a guide Departure for Guatemala Fright of the people The Rio Paz Hacienda of Palmita A fortunate escape Hacienda of San Jose an awkward predicament, a kind host, Rancho of Octilla, Oratorio and Leon, Rio de los Esclavos, the village, approach to Guatemala, arrival at Guatemala, a sketch of the wars, defeat of Morazan, scene of massacre. In the morning, to our surprise, we found several shops open, and people in the street who had been concealed somewhere in the neighborhood, and returned as soon as they knew of Morazan's entry. The alcalde reappeared, and our guide was found, but he would not go with us, and told the alcalde that he might kill him on the spot, that he would rather die there than by the hands of the cachurecos. While I was taking chocolate, General Morazan called upon me. Our conversation was longer and more general. I did not ask him his plans or purposes, but neither he nor his officers exhibited despondency. Once reference was made to the occupation of Santa Anna by General Cascara, and with a spirit that reminded me of Claverhouse in old mortality, he said, We shall visit that gentleman soon. He spoke without malice or bitterness of the leaders of the Central Party and of Carrera as an ignorant and lawless Indian, from whom the party that was now using him would one day be glad to be protected. He referred with a smile to a charge current among the Cachurecos of an effort made by him to have Carrera assassinated, of which a great parade had been made with details of time and place, and which was generally believed. He had supposed the whole story a fabrication, but accidentally, in retreating from Guatemala, he found himself in the very house where the attempt was said to have been made, and the man of the house told him that Carrera, having offered outrage to a member of his family, he himself had stabbed him, as was supposed, mortally, and in order to account for his wounds and turn away inquiries from the cause, it was fastened upon Morazan, and so flew all through the country. One of his officers accompanied the story with details of the outrage, and I felt very sure that, if Carrera ever fell into his hands, he would shoot him on the spot. 
with the opinion that he entertained of carrera and his soldiers he of course considered it unsafe for us to go on to guatemala but i was exceedingly anxious to set out and the flush of excitement over as the captain's trunks had gone on he was equally so carrera might arrive at any moment in which case we might again change owners or at all events be the witnesses of a sanguinary battle for morazan would defend the frontier town of his own state to the death i told general morazan my wish and purpose and the difficulty of procuring a guide he said that an escort of soldiers would expose us to certain danger even a single soldier without his musket and cartridge box these being the only distinguishing marks of a soldier might be recognized but he would send for the alcalde and procure us some trusty person from the town i bade him farewell with an interest greater than i had felt for any man in the country little did we then know the calamities that were still in store for him that very night most of his soldiers deserted having been kept together only by the danger to which they were exposed while in an enemy's country with the rest he marched to zonzonate seized a vessel at the port manning her with his own men and sent her to libertad the port of san salvador he then marched to the capital where the people who had for years idolized him in power turned their backs upon him in misfortune and received him with open insults in the streets with many of his officers who were too deeply compromised to remain he embarked for chile suffering from confinement on board a small vessel he stopped in costa rica and asked permission for some of them to land he did not ask it for himself for he knew it would be refused leaving some of them behind he went on to join his family in chile amid the fierceness of party spirit it was impossible for a stranger to form a true estimate of the character of a public man the great outcry against general morazan was hostility to the church and forced loans for his hostility to the church there is the justification that it is at this day a pall upon the spirit of free institutions degrading and debasing instead of elevating the christian character and for forced loans constant wars may plead his worst enemies admit that he was exemplary in his private relations and what they consider no small praise that he was not sanguinary he is now fallen and in exile probably forever under sentence of death if he returns all the truckling worshippers of a rising sun are blasting his name and memory but i verily believe and i know i shall bring down upon me the indignation of the whole central party by the assertion i verily believe they have driven from their shores the best man in central america the population of the town was devoted to general morazan and an old man brought to us his son a young man about twenty-two as a guide but when he learned that we wanted him to go with us all the way to rio pas he left us as he said to procure a horse 
we waited nearly an hour when the old man reappeared with a little boy about ten years old dressed in a straw hat and shirt and mounted on a bare-backed horse the young man had disappeared and could not be found in fact he was afraid to go and it was thought this little boy would run less risk i was never much disturbed by general reports of robbers or assassins but there was palpable danger in meeting any of the routed troops desperate by defeat and assassin-like in disposition not very amiable to us before and now from having seen us lounging about the town at that inauspicious moment likely to connect us with the movements of morazan i believe that if we fell in with them we should be murdered but on the other hand they had not let the grass grow under their feet had probably been flying all night in apprehension of pursuit shunning the main road had perhaps crossed the rio pas and once in guatemala had dispersed to their own villages besides which the route had been so total that they were probably escaping three or four together and would be as likely to run from us as we from them at all events it was better to go than wait till carrera came upon the town with these calculations and really uncomfortable feelings we bade farewell to some of the officers who were waiting to see us off and at nine o'clock set out descending from the tableland on which the town is built we entered an open plain over which we could see to a great distance and which would furnish if necessary a good field for the evolutions of our cavalry we passed the lake of aguachapa the beauty of which under other circumstances would have attracted our admiration and as our little guide seemed at fault we stopped at a hut to inquire the road the people were afraid to answer any questions figueroa's soldiers and morazan's had passed by but they did not know it they could not tell whether any fugitive soldiers had passed and only knew the road to the rio pas it was easy to see that they thought of nothing else but they said they were poor people and at work all the time and did not know what was going on in half an hour we met three indians with loads of pottery on their backs the poor fellows pulled off their hats and trembled when we inquired if there were any routed soldiers on before it occurred to us that this inquiry would expose us to the suspicion of being officers of morazan in pursuit and that if we met any one we had better ask no questions beyond this there were many roads all of which the boy said led to the rio pas but he had never been there before and did not know the right one we followed one which took us into the woods and soon commenced descending the road was broken stony and very steep we descended rapidly and soon it was manifest no horses had passed on this road for a long time before trees lay across it so low that we dismounted and were obliged to slip our high-peaked saddles to pass under them it was evidently an old cattle path now disused even by cattle we descended some distance further and i proposed to return my only argument was that it was safer 
we knew we were wrong and might get down so low that our physical strength would not carry us back the captain said that i had chosen this path if we had followed his advice we should have been safe and that now it was impossible to return we had an angry quarrel and fortunately in consideration of my having led into the difficulty i gave way and very soon we were cheered by hearing below us the rushing of the river after a most difficult descent we reached the bank but here there was no fording place and no path on the opposite side end of section six